the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Let's talk money. Let's talk getting retirement. Let's talk about doing things right and trying to cut down on mistakes. One of the more interesting things to look at in the past 15 years is real estate. And when you see what's happened to the 10-year treasury and you see what's happened with mortgage rates, you have to go, I wonder what the next 10, 15 years are going to look like. If we go back to almost 0% interest rates, you have to assume that, wow, things can get kind of crazy again. If we stay at 6, 6.5% interest rates, you're like, that's a little bit more normalized. No, it's not high. It's normalized. 7, 8, 9% interest rates are high for mortgages, in my opinion, in my 25 years of doing this. Now, my father, let's just say he's dead for sure, but if he were alive, he would say 6%, 6.5% where mortgage rates are now are pretty good. Because he lived during times where mortgages sometimes were 10, 12, 14, 16%. And real estate still found ways to work. The U.S. housing market is in a recession. There's an economist that I like very much named Ian Shepardson. Um, The only thing I can tell you is that I've been following him for 25 years and probably the name Ian and Shepard kind of worked for me. And I was like, okay, it's a memorable name. He's with Pantheon Macroeconomics. He said house home prices are down about 5% since May and may slump another 20% by mid-2023. He believes Federal Reserve has indicated that they want a correction in the housing market. If I weren't a father, I would have a totally different opinion. But being a father of two young men, I go, I wonder if they're going to be able to buy a house. I wonder if they're going to grow up strong. I wonder if they're going to grow up intelligent. I wonder if they're going to have a fun career. My career has been pretty fun. It's been a lot of work, but um, I've got to meet some really cool people and have a career that within reason, I got to write a lot of my own roles. But having two kids, I go, I wonder if they're going to be able to, or are they going to have to work at the DMV? Nothing wrong with working at the DMV. It wouldn't have suited me, though. The U.S. housing market is in a recession, and home prices are poised to tumble another 20% by next summer. The plunging trend in sales has further to go, and prices are falling. Ian Shepardson said in a research note published yesterday. 
and his team estimated that seasonally adjusted existing home prices slid by seven-tenths of a percent in August. That's the third monthly decline in a row. Prices are now down about 5% from their May peak, and they're poised to slide further despite a tight supply of homes. It's always that like that tight supply of homes, that one extra piece of information. You're like, oh, he's right, but there's a tight supply of homes. Housing, he said, is in a recession, and everything connected to housing either is in a recession now or soon will be. Shepardson emphasized the current housing downturn won't crash the rest of the U.S. economy as the market has fewer entrenched risks than during the mid-2000s, particularly, he's saying, 2006, 2007, 2008, where we had some risk of loans that were packaged together. Some of them should never have been made. But in 2006, 2007, 2008, Barney Frank was a member of Congress, and he was like, everyone deserves a home. Everyone. And I don't know if that's true. If you don't have reliable income, the bank shouldn't lend you money, in my opinion. If you don't have a decent down payment where you have skin in the game, the bank shouldn't lend you money, in my opinion. So we're not in the same inventory situation, nor are we in the same risk profile situation as 2006, 7, and 8. Inflation has surged to a 40-year high in June. It remains above 8% in August. That squeezes consumers' budgets, which means they should stress paying their mortgage. The Federal Reserve has reacted to the threat by hiking interest rates from near zero at the start of the year to over 3%, raising borrowing costs and driving long-term mortgage rates north of 6%, close to 7% for the first time since 2008. Interestingly, the year that the housing market last ended a correction. So there, there is a direct comparison in rates. The median existing home price has fallen by 6% from a record high of about 414000 in June to 390000 in August. Existing home sales dropped for a seventh straight month in August and were down 20% from a year earlier. You know, one of the things I say in the show is if you make $100,000 a year for 10 years, you made a million, right? For a career of 40 years, you made $4 million. And the average home in America is 390000 but the average wage is more like 50000 So the average savings you're going to have in your lifetime is $2 million from your income before you spend anything on food and shelter. And the average home is 390000 right now. Like You can see why I, I, I say you have to save. Fed Chair Jerome Powell has signaled that the U.S. Bank wants to bring down housing prices. We've had a time of red-hot housing market all over the country. The deceleration in housing prices that we're seeing should help bring prices more in line with rents and in other housing market fundamentals. Shepardson thinks that's a good thing. One of the things that I do that is kind of annoying is I set alerts on Google for names like Ian Shepardson. The people that I follow that are in the news that I can't possibly track down because if they're not in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, if they're not in my research reports that I read, they're still out there and they still give quotes to like the Detroit Free Press. I find those very interesting. 
So do you have a list of people you trust and who you follow that when they make news, they have an alert? I think you should. Do you think home prices are going to fall 20% more? I, I can see it happen. We're seeing a record number of people saying, I want out of that real estate deal. Which is pretty interesting because sometimes when you put money down, they ask you to put 3% down during the buying process. In theory, the buyer can keep that money. I've heard in reality that doesn't happen very often. I can't imagine being a seller right now. And being put in the situation of uh, Ian Shepherdson just said housing prices are continue to fall until mid twenty twenty three. What do you think we should do, honey? Should we lower our price or wait for the buyer who really loves our home? Real estate's tricky, and if you think it always goes up, I think you're crazy. And if you think you can hide behind stupid things like oh they're not making more land, but they are. They're decommissioning decommissioning military bases. They're putting cities where there weren't cities before. The infrastructure is changing consistently. A mortgage is a debt. It's a liability. A lot of people think of homes as free money. Now that we're down for three months in a row, do you still think it's free money? Do you not see the decision-making that you must bring to the table? to cut down on some of your risk? Do you want the lower interest rates of last year or do you want the lower prices of this year? I'll take the lower interest rates. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I'm going to be announcing a seminar coming up at the end of November. Pretty excited about that. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. One of the things that I've said in previous segments that bears repetition is a mortgage is debt. I don't think all debt is bad. I think managing your debt can make you a prince or a pauper. Um, I grew up thinking that my parents wanted to pay off their mortgage. Very positive, right? Back before there was the internet. Gather around the fire, children. I want to tell you about the scariest of times. We had mailmen who brought our bills to us. One of the things I've done that I highly recommend people do is automate all their debt. I don't have one bill that doesn't go uh, unpaid. I don't have to rely on my spouse having an envelope or a stamp. Hey, honey, do you have an envelope? Hey, honey, do do we have any stamps? I automate my debt. Paying on time has kept my credit score lovely. Wasn't always lovely. I got into some not paying on time debt in college. So I came out of college with a lower credit score than my peers, which meant I had to pay more for a used car, a new car, anything that caused me to borrow money. My friends had sick, as we used to call them, which meant good. They had wonderful credit cards. I had less than wonderful. 
So I made a resolve to fix my credit and, and never mess it up again. I didn't buy a kit from Sue Zorman. How to fix your credit. Send me $99. I'll tell you the secrets. Um, and then Sue Zorman didn't seem to understand that all that information is on the internet right now. Go Google how to fix your credit. Sadly, the, the number one thing is it takes some time. You have to prove that you can pay your bills on time. And that's why I automated all my bills. A lot of people when I was growing up viewed debt as avoided at all costs. I believe that's because a lot of people don't use debt properly. And they saw maybe their grandparents lose their farm when mortgages could be called. They can no longer be called. You have a $600,000 debt right now on your home. The bank cannot call you up and say, you know what? Looks like a recession's coming. We, we really need that money back. So you need to sell the farm or give us our money. So what got us into a lot of trouble was callable debt. Prime example of improper debt use is credit cards. A proper use of debt, in my opinion, is credit cards as well, but paying them off monthly. I use credit cards to help with my budget. My certified financial planner, Brad, says, we need to work a little bit on your budget. You spent way too much last year on discretionary items like concerts. I'm like, okay, let me link my my credit cards because that's where all my spending comes from. I probably write five checks a year. Um, not many. And it's typically for odd things like construction work that they don't have the infrastructure to take a credit card payment of Venmo or PayPal. Trust me, I ask. So good debt could be Credit card debt, bad debt could be credit card debt. Oh, Rob, make it easier. Um, carrying credit card debt's bad. Student debt, I think, is usually pretty good if you got a degree that's worth something. I'm going to say if you spent $30,000, $40,000, $50,000 on a college degree, what co- type of college degree did you get? If you're never going to use that college degree, was it really good debt? I don't think so. If you went to college so you could find a husband or a wife and not work, there's easier ways to do that in life. Cheaper ways as well. A prime example of improper debt, credit card debt. Let's stay on that one. It was negative for a while. I only say credit card debt's good because I pay it off every month and it gives me a budget and I can see it. I can download the information and I get credit card rewards. People charge way too many things they shouldn't charge. But Rob, you use your Verizon credit card to charge your groceries. I do because they give me 4%. If at the end of the month I was giving them 18% annual percentage rates, I would be the fool. Not, I, I'm not saying Verizon's the fool here, but I'll take that 4% off on my groceries. I have never failed to pay the card in full at the end of the month. Um, Some people do, and then suddenly it spirals out of control. Missing one month payment turns into two months payment. That's why I always automate my debt. Paying high interest over years is foolish. Borrowing money by collateralizing stocks 
held in after-tax investment accounts is called securities-backed lending. The interest rate will often be lower than other types of loans, and you'll generally get access to funds in just a few days. I've done that. When I bought a home a year and a half ago, I lent the bank. I didn't lend the bank. I asked for a loan from them, and they said, I see that you got a lot of shares of Apple. And I'm like, sign something, Rob, that says we get those if you don't pay us back. And I did. Um, and then we turned that into a 30-year mortgage after the home was was already acquired in cash. So for the first time in my career, I got a mortgage after I bought a home. Securities back lending, not the worst thing in the world. Not the easiest thing to pull off if you don't know about it or you you have a lender who um, has only simpler products and knowledge base. So collateralized debt is interesting. Um, some benefits to securities-backed lending, the advantage of security-backed lending, uh, even if you're not retired, can enhance your purchasing power. Uh, the best example is the home that I bought. Especially in the last few years, the real estate market's been tight. Homes in the market often get multiple offers. Having cash was able to make my bid more attractive. There was 12 bids on the home, but only two cash offers, and I was one of the two. And I knew what to do to make sure the deal got done. Having a good one minute real estate agent obviously helps enormously. I've never been interested in real estate agents who are attractive. I know that sounds like a weird thing to say. I've never been interested in real estate agents who have gimmicks like they ride around your city on a Segway. I like real estate agents who are a little bit older, a little more gray, and they grew up on the street that you're buying on because it's the best street in the city. That attracts me to a real estate agent much more so than, say, a successful one who has a nice car. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Now back to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. Have you turned on CNN recently? This is not a commentary on political content. CNN is trying to cut down on um, the political news. So I turned on CNN yesterday, mid-afternoon, to watch a little hurricane. I don't know why, but it's it's damn good TV to me. Um, It's just jarring to see. 25 years ago, before I moved to the Bay Area... I was told, don't move to the Bay Area, there's earthquakes. I'm like, well, there's hurricanes and tornadoes here. They they, they do a lot of damage, too, on the East Coast. Um, and people just roll their eyes like, oh, you'll find out. I'm not here to talk about and jinx myself on earthquakes. I, I don't think they're any fun in any way, shape, or form. I don't think hurricanes are any fun, except for if you're on dry land and watching them on CNN. Like, I, I, I didn't. There's a house in that guy's front yard. <laughs> You're like, yeah, you just saw that too. With Hurricane Ian ripping through Florida, um, a lot of people wonder how well their home insurance is going to cover and fare in a natural disaster. 
I don't even think about my homeowner's insurance until I see a hurricane destroy someone else's financial life. When I hear two feet of rain, I go, what would two feet of rain in 36 hours do to my swimming pool? I'm like, ooh, I don't think I could pump it out fast enough, to be honest with you. And the neighbors don't like when you pump chlorinated water into the streets. So you're kind of like, how do I do this discreetly? How do I do this uh, environmentally safely? Like, you can see how natural disasters put people in these compromised situations of like, and that's an easy one. We're talking about chlorinated water. We're not talking about your car floating away. So I did start thinking about my insurance yesterday. It's a shame that's what it takes. Um, I tried to set up on my calendar two times a year to go over my insurance issues. So it could be June 1st, July 1st. It could be January 1st, January 15th, whatever you want. Even if your insurance covers the destruction, it may not be enough. Many home buyers, I'm sorry, not homeowners, simply do not have adequate protection to cover all their losses. And because of a tax reform law, uninsured losses can only be deducted in specific cases. Florida is home of 79% of all homeowner insurance lawsuits. How is that possible? There's a big argument. And I, you tell me where you, you fall on this one. Uh, you live in Miami. It's beautiful. It's on the beach. Um, why does the federal government bail you out? And when I say the federal government, I'm talking about the taxpayer in Modesto, California. I'm talking about the taxpayer in Utah. Why does the average taxpayer do FEMA relief, do tax relief for people who live in beautiful cities? That's a big debate this time. It's interesting watching news, try to figure out angles. Um, even if your insurance covers the destruction, it, it's typically not going to be enough. It's too early to tell what the damage projections are going to be like. Is it going to be $20 billion, $40 billion, $60 billion? Fortunately for Florida, the, the storm turned into a Category 1 tropical storm quicker. It did not stay a Category 4, Category 5 hurricane. I think it was like Category 4 at its highest. But there were some parts of it that probably hit the wind speed limits that put it into a category five. It's different being a homeowner and a, and a renter. As a renter, I had renter's insurance. As a homeowner, I have homeowner's insurance. I've never really made a big claim against either. So in my head of heads, I'm checking it twice a year. But also as I age, I'm like, that was kind of unnecessary. Now, again, you insure what you can't afford to lose. If my home today were to get hit with 36 inches of water and the pool were to flow into the home, that would be a big financial hit for me. That's why, in theory, I have it. So I, I had to ask the questions yesterday. I've never owned a pool in my life. This is the first year. I had to ask the question, uh, should I call my insurance company, USAA, and ask if we got 36 inches of rain. Would it be covered? So 
I got off my butt and I called USA and I had that question answered. You should have some questions answered about your home. Uh, I live in earthquake country. I know what's covered and not covered because that was kind of a no brainer. The The big question was 36 inches of rain. Um, what would happen? And keep in mind last year we had in December, we had a storm that, that drummed like 20 inches over three or four days. It was a crazy rain. And then December didn't get anything else. Right. Or the year got nothing in January and February. It was like, yes, our droughts can be over. And then January and February just never materialized. So last year I, I learned how to drain a pool. This year I learned about, am I covered or not? No direct hits occurred in Florida over the past three hurricane seasons until Ian. Florida is the site of 79% of homeowners insurance lawsuits over claims filed nationwide. Even though Florida's insurance receives only 9% of all homeowners insurance claims. So they're in a litigious part of the country. Homeowners insurance covers damage sustained from most hazards, including a tornado, hurricane, severe rain, storm, fires, wind, um, but homeowners insurance will pay to repair the structure of the property up to the insured amount and other detached structures like garage or uh, sheds, typically about 10% of the main structures insured amount. It also covers possessions inside the home. Typically up to 50 to 70% of home structures are insured. Landscaping elements such as trees and shrubs are generally reimbursed at about $500 per item. Florida is a state of crisis. Residents currently pay the highest homeowners insurance rates in the United States at an average of $4,200 a year. That's three times the U.S. annual average of $1,500. Hurricane Andrew, which killed 23 people in the United States and three in the Bahamas, caused an estimated $15.5 billion in total insured losses. That created insolvency in 11 insurance companies. They just went completely out of business. If a... Uh, Another Andrew hit, which was a Category 5, and it were to just strike south of Miami, uh, it would cause over $138 billion of damages. So Florida's kind of vulnerable to hurricanes, and that's seriously underestimated in the media. Um, Again, the question now comes up, how much should the federal aid, how far should we go to covering People who live in nice homes in nice places with the thought that they have insurance, but the insurance companies aren't covering enough. So the federal government steps in and tries to make people as right as possible. Damage from flooding and earth movement, which includes earthquakes, mudslides, landslides, sinkholes, is excluded from homeowners insurance. Now in a hurricane, how much of it's wind damage? How much of it is flooding? I'm seeing a lot of flooding damage. To get flood and mudslide protection, which I once lived on the side of a hill that had some small mudslides. I was just renting, but in my head of heads, I'm like, I wonder if the insurance would cover this. To get flood and mudslide insurance, you got to pay a separate policy from the federally funded National Flood Insurance Program or a private insurer. You also have to buy separate coverage for your, your possessions. They're typically not included in flood policies. If I had to replace every item in my home, it's going to be a financial mess. It's going to hurt. But 
I do one of the more anal things if you were to go through my phone you see some pretty sexy photos if you were to go through my phone you'd see a lot of photos of like why did he take eight photos of his kid playing soccer when he could have done, just taken one forgot to delete seven of them if you were to go through my phone you'd find pictures of my home pictures of my goods pictures of my possessions um my I would probably have receipts for everything because I tend to shop at three to five places like Amazon, Best Buy. But I also take pictures to show I did have this. I didn't sell it. This was the latest version of my home. And then every three to five years, I probably delete photos and retake new photos, right? So you got to make sure that you're properly covered. And that typically comes with a phone call or two. Insurers stand ready to help their policyholders recover and rebuild after Hurricane Ian. That's the the messaging that you get for sure. But the reality is it's up to you to really know what's insured and what's not. For earthquakes, you must pay a separate policy from a private insurer or if you live in California from the California Earthquake Authority. In some states, insurers will cover sinkholes if you buy separate coverage. I, you know, I've never gone, I wonder why I live on a sinkhole. So I'm probably not as protected as I think I am because I could be living on a sinkhole. I live on kind of a side of a hill and it's a pretty moist hill because it's close to the ocean. A homeowner's policy will reimburse you for additional living expenses if you have to live outside the home. I've seen insurance work really, really well in wildfires in California for people that are really, really informed and aggressive with their insurance company. I've seen insurance work very, very poorly for people. I honestly think this is one where it takes you to be battle-ready, battle-born. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You're listening to New Focus on Wealth on AM 1220 KDOW. Stocks, bonds, real estate, baseball cards. They're all examples of assets. Comic books. Every now and then you you get one right. My kid has an obsession with Pokemon cards and he's way too old to own Pokemon cards. <clears throat> I get when you're six opening up a tinfoil packet and finding out you got something that's considered rare, even though there's probably four million of them. <laughs> it's rare compared to the other card next to it that there's eight million of. I get the thrill of it. And I'm probably looking pretty ignorant here. I've got a first edition Superman comic. I've got a first edition Spider-Man comic. Um, I don't even know what they're worth. You know how you should take pictures of things that have value in your home? That a fire or a flood would create havoc with you saying... What was the value of that anyway? <clears throat> we kind of know how it costs to replace a couch. But baseball cards and Pokemon cards, I hate to say it, they're an asset class. They're, they're very speculative in my opinion. Very rarely do they work out like people want them to, in my opinion. But this one's hilarious. And I can't possibly say... Um that I would pay this kind of money for what I'm about to tell you. 
But Mark Zuckerberg has an old baseball card of him playing baseball in Little League. Baseball card was created using um, the baseball card was given to a camp counselor at a day camp in White Plains, New York that Zuckerberg attended. Um, the the camp counselor asked Zuckerberg to sign the card to make the kid feel like he was a star. It's a weird one-of-a-kind piece. And it sold for $105,000. And when when I'm telling you that Mark Zuckerberg was an ugly kid, I'm being mean. Um, But (laughs) I can say, like, I didn't really think that was going to be worth anything. Zuckerberg posted a photo of the baseball card on Instagram, announcing it would soon become an NFT. In his trading card, his baseball card as a child, he was listed as 48 pounds and had a 920 batting average, which is pretty good. That would be like probably Little League. That may be more collectible than anything else. Now, what's interesting about this is it was sold by a camp counselor, right? From his childhood. What things do I have? I was a, <clears throat> I managed my son's traveling soccer team for a few years. And I had to keep photos of all the kids. And what, what if one of those kids becomes messy and I have, you know, his card from when he was seven years old? It would be unique. You kind of get it. Last month, we heard of Elon Musk's college girlfriend, Jennifer Gwynn. She auctioned off photos of the young billionaire for $165,000. And these were just photos of him, like college photos. In college, you get through this phase where you think it's really cool to wear a trench coat. And later in life, you look back and you're like, why was I wearing a trench coat? I had a lot of hair. Why was I wearing a trench coat? Or, gosh, I was really skinny and I thought I was chubby. I'm not going to do one of those graduation speeches. Be proud of who you are, because when you look back in life, you'll you'll know that you were a lot skinnier than you were. But why were you wearing a trench coat? Um. So I don't know anyone who's ever really made it big with collectibles. And I can't really say that I have the mindset for collectibles. But seeing Mark Zuckerberg's Little League baseball card selling for $105,000. Um, it's pretty hilarious. You know, it's weird. He hasn't bought a, a sports team yet. I wonder if Facebook stabilizes and his wealth stabilizes. Is he going to start getting out of Facebook and getting into things like buying the San Francisco Giants? It's a good question, right? I think you're going to see a, a bit more billionaires get into sports franchises as a way of diversification. But I'm digressing. So what do you have in your basement that you think is worth something? Um, I'm not a collector. So in fact, I would say I'm a... Uh, I want to get rid of more stuff. My wife has kept in a closet games like Monopoly and all the board games from her childhood that she played. Kids don't play board games anymore. Trying to get a kid to sit down and play a board game is painful. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. 
the year 2022 is quickly going to be forcing itself into 2023. 2022 will probably be remembered as the year where many Americans learned about inflation. And for 20 years, I've been saying on the air, you know, I'm not afraid of Jason Voorhees. If a dude shows up at my house with a bag over his head because he's so malformed with a machete or he's in my backyard and Freddy Krueger, I'm not afraid of those things. But inflation, I've always told you, is the boogeyman. And this was the year we learned about inflation. We're going through another recession, which we have very short-term memories on. We've been through three or four in my lifetime. Um, in my investment lifetime, two good ones. Investments lifetime for me is age 20 to 60. Um, recessions we t- seem to forget. Inflation, I bet people are talking stories about 2022 inflation 20 years from now, like we talk about inflation in the 1970s, 40 years after the fact. You get the idea. Inflation is the boogeyman, and you finally got to learn it. And a Mark Zuckerberg card worth $100,000 is insane. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.